0: Today, uh, as we are through um, through Pentecost, we are hearing a psalm, and we are hearing a text from the Book of Acts. So the psalm today is one familiar with you. You've heard lots of "Savior, lead us like a shepherd" and the shepherding um, things because the psalm is the 23rd psalm. The Lord's is my shepherd, and so you are invited to read with me or to recite with me the Lord's. The 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me And from the ninth chapter of Acts, we start at the 36th verse today. Now in Joppa there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time she became ill and died. And when they had washed her... They laid her in a room upstairs. And since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, who heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs, and all the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed, and he turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up! Well, then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. And then calling the saints and the widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Text today is still about Tabitha. (laughs) Tabitha, an interesting character because she gets two names. We know that Tabitha is her name in Aramaic, it's her Jewish name, and Dorcas not Dorky, Dorcas is her name in Greek. She gets two names, which is interesting. Why would she get two names? Well, presumably because she's ministering to two different groups of people Jews and the Greeks, the Hellenists. She's touching a lot of lives. And we can see that because the widows are surrounding her once she dies. There are so many of them that Peter sends them out to do his work. Do you ever watch ER or Grey's Anatomy or any of those shows where somebody's in the room dying and they're working on her and they say, get get the family out. They have to leave the room. And that's what Peter does. He gets them out. But there are so many widows that are surrounding Tabitha that he can't do his work. Some people wonder if Tabitha's home was actually an early house church or maybe even more like a community center for people. For people who were widows, who gathered and needed comfort and needed grief support and needed to know the love of Jesus. It's an interesting thought. In a very real way, Tabitha is living out what was the Jewish understanding of life after. The afterlife for Jews is more about leaving a legacy that people will remember than it is about some pie in the sky going to heaven by and by kind of thing that we carry with us as Christians. And here is this great woman who has opened her home to many different kinds of widows, offering them support. And they're showing what she's given for them, what she's done for them. She made them clothes. Now, you may have heard at some point in life that in the Bible, widows were not treated well, and that is true, particularly in the early Jewish tradition of the Hebrew Bible. Widows did not live well. If you were widowed, you had no source of income, no means of living, basically. Your home could be taken over. Um, Any income you had could be turned over. Um, Widows could live a miserable life. By the time we get to this age in the Bible, to the Hellenist period, widows were in pretty good shape. Really? In fact, one thing I read said... If a woman was widowed, she might actually be in better shape than she was when she was married, because when she was married, the husband had control of the money. And once he died, she got control of her own money. No, no wives in here are getting that? Oh, I see one. Okay. You all know the story about my parents? I'll tell you the story. I was in college. I came home, and my mother was sitting at the kitchen table, and she was going like this in the checkbook. I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm balancing my checkbook. I said, how can you balance it? There are no numbers in the total column. That's not balancing your checkbook. She said, well, I'm clearing what checks went through. And my dad at this point is doubled over laughing in the other part of the kitchen. And I say to her, how do you know how much money's in that checkbook? If you never put a total in the total column, and my dad says to me, don't you worry little girl, she knows exactly how much money is in that checkbook. Mm-hmm. And she turned to me and said, that's right, and if I wrote it down, then he would know too. <laughs> Widows, in the time by, the, by the time the Hellenist period comes around, were actually sometimes in better shape because... They controlled their own money. So don't think that Tabitha was poor. Don't think the widows she was serving were necessarily poor. They might have been, but not necessarily. But she's making them nice things. And women, you all know that. When you have a breakup, you get on Amazon and you buy new shoes. Right? You go to Brooks Brothers, you buy yourself a new suit. You want to look good when you have your breakup, when you're feeling bad. Because your other option is to just eat a quart of ice cream, and nobody needs to do that. So that's what they're doing. She's making them feel good, she's giving them a place to be in community. And she's providing for them. And when she dies, they are so grief stricken, they don't know what to do. Because that is the impact that she has made on the people around her. I want you to think for a minute about what it would be like to be known as a person of good works and charity. Because that's what it says about her. Person of good works and charity. What would it be known, what would it be, not only that, but her house church was known that way too. What would it be if this place was known as a place of good works and charity? I'm pausing because I'm letting you ponder that for a whole minute. There's a great book. Ron Sider has written this. You know, Ron Sider, about 40 years ago, wrote a groundbreaking book called Rich Christians in the Age of Hunger which change the way that we think about doing hunger ministries as a church and as Christians in the world. This is his new thing. It's called... <clears throat> churches that make a difference reaching your community with the with good news and good works be people of good works and charity and they've studied a bunch of churches as they've gone through and these are some of the mission statements of those churches this is some of what these churches are trying to accomplish discipling our members evangelizing our community and revitalizing our neighborhood in the name of Jesus Christ. Good works and charity. A caring, concerned, and questioning congregation. Good works and charity. and inve- Get this one. An investment in health, welfare, and spirit in our community. Hmm. Good works and charity. Christians responding to opportunities to witness, nurture, and serve... Good works and charity. Touching Philadelphia and the world by reaching and empowering individuals. Good works and charity. Celebration, transformation, education to all nations. Good works and charity. And finally, this one. Living the gospel in our community. Good works and charity is living the gospel in our community. That's what Tabitha did. She opened her home. She provided a place for widows and others to be. She helped them with their grief. She provided them clothes. She took care of people. She lived the gospel in her community. You know, I used to feel very, very good about this church and our living the gospel in our community. When I came here, they said to me, we want to be the church's community. We don't just want to give money to mission anymore. No, actually, they said, we don't want to give money to mission anymore. I said, change that. Mission still needs our money, but we want to give ourselves to it as well. And then COVID happened. Is anybody else feeling this? Like we had great momentum here. Things were moving. We were doing stuff. It was like, hit the wall. How are we going to live the gospel in our community again? What are we going to do to serve the people who need us around here. We're doing well at making sure our building is used. It's our greatest asset. And there are over 500 people a week who come through this building when it's at its peak use. That's a lot. But what else do we need to do? Who are the least and lost in our midst? Where are the people who need our support? Where are the widows in our midst? The Hebrew Bible all over the place says serve the widow and the orphan. The fatherless. The wandering immigrant. Those were the most vulnerable in that society. doing here. I want you to think with me about that. I want you to pray with me about that. I want us to move forward. The time for fretting about COVID and whether or not we can serve is done. Let us pick up the banner again and move faithfully into our community. bringing the gospel to people in need. May it be true. Amen.